Hey there, and welcome to another edition of the In Layman's Terms podcast. I'm Steve Layman, the voice of Belmont men's basketball and the sports anchor at News Channel 5 here in Nashville. So glad to have you with us here in the middle of the summer. And we're going to talk Belmont. We're going to talk about sports reporting, you know, all this stuff that's right in my wheelhouse, of course, with Madison Blevins Hawk. Madison Blevins, of course, the basketball player back at Belmont, she played you know, in the, the middle part of the last decade for Cam Newbauer on some great teams. They're really kind of the start of the run that Belmont women's basketball has been on that, of course, has been continued with Bart Brooks. By the way, Bart Brooks, recent podcast guest. You can catch it right here on the In Layman's Terms podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe while you're at it so you can get updates of any future podcasts. But Madison Blevins always wanted to be a sports reporter. She got incredible experience here in Nashville and specifically at Belmont. And she has gone on to be a sports reporter back at her hometown of Knoxville and now a sports anchor, host, and reporter for Bally Sports Southwest. She's based in Dallas. She's done things for the Oklahoma City Thunder. She's worked with the Texas Rangers, the New Orleans Pelicans, all sorts of professional teams, giving her expert opinion, analysis, and becoming one of the best young hosts out there at a regional sports network. We talk about her journey in her profession, certainly her time at Belmont, and what she looks back on during her time in Nashville that has really positioned herself to succeed as much as she has. It was a fun conversation, so we hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with Madison Blevins Hawk. Well, I would love to welcome into the podcast Madison Blevins Hawk, one of our favorites at Belmont. And Madison, I believe I found you in like a, a Hilton Garden Inn or something like that, a Hampton <laughs> Suites, Holiday Inn Express. I don't, where are you right Hey, that is a great question. I never know what city I'm in, honestly. Ever since NBA season ended, I think I've been on 20 round trip flights. <laughs> so it, it has been crazy. But I am currently in Jupiter, Florida. Uh, my husband is in the Miami Marlins system and he's a pitcher and he is unfortunately currently injured. So the rehab facility is in Jupiter and he uh he's kind of been hanging out here and, and rehabbing an injury for about five, six hours a day. And so I try and, and come see him as much as I can with with my work schedule. It doesn't always work out as often as we would like. But yep, we are just, you know, living this glamorous life in a courtyard Marriott hotel. And <laughs> we're just, we're making it work. So <laughs> you talk about the team reporter lifestyle and Working at a TV station, you can get those moments, hockey playoffs, things like that, where it's every other day, it seems like you're on a flight. But when you're a team reporter, I mean, NBA, it's every other night. Baseball, it's every three days or something like that. It reminds me of that commercial where the guy's like on stage, he's like, hello, Cleveland. And like nobody says anything. And the guy next to him's like, Cleveland was last night. Do you ever have that moment where it's like, where am I and what am I doing right now? I do. You know, it's funny. It's it was nice because with my with my new job, I say new, I've been at Valley Sports Southwest since um, November, but I am mainly in studio. So I wasn't traveling as much uh, during NBA season, which is nice because our our studios are based in Dallas. And then we have broadcasting rights for four NBA teams 
the Thunder, the Spurs, the Pelicans, and the Mavs. So my my home base is Dallas, and then I will travel. We go out to New Orleans to do our studio show live from the Smoothie King Center. Um, went to Oklahoma City, filled in for Jen Hale on the sidelines once. So I was traveling, but I wasn't traveling a ton as I would be if I was like on the sidelines for every single game. So it was kind of nice because I got my feet wet with this, you know, next level in my career. It wasn't like, all right, you're thrown into the fire. Now you're traveling every day as well, which I was kind of thankful for that to be able to move to Dallas and get settled and then just kind of go from there. But once NBA season ended, I feel like I have been on a flight almost every other week. I will, I'll leave Dallas and and come down to Florida for a couple days just to check in with Colton, make sure everything's good, make sure we're seeing each other as as much as we can in, in a marriage. And so it's, it's not always ideal, but it's definitely, it's been worth it. So we, yeah, I've been traveling back and forth since the beginning of April and Um, try to spend as much time in Dallas as I can because I also cover the Rangers but when they're away I can usually come down to Florida as well so I say I never empty out my suitcase completely I I always have like a toiletry bag or a makeup bag packed and just ready to go if if anything were to happen Yeah, it's a crazy life, that's for sure. I, I want to talk about a lot of it, but let's back up just for a second. A lot of people at Belmont certainly know you as a basketball player on the court at Belmont, but was media always a goal for you? And was it, we've seen you now in a few roles, from local sports anchor to host to sideline reporter, within the media goal, what was Madison's goal? Yeah, so that's a great question. I will say I have said since I was a little girl, I think before I even knew what the job entailed at all, I said, I'm going to be a sports reporter one day. I'm going to be a sports broadcaster one day. And it was because I fell in love with Tennessee football when I was about three, four years old. My dad would take me to every single game. And on the way home, we would listen to sports talk radio. And we would, and I'll never forget him saying like, I would get so upset when I was younger over a loss. And I'd say, I just don't know why Philip Fulmer called that play there. And my dad would look at me and be like, oh gosh, we are in trouble. Like, why is she talking like this at five years old? So yes, I always knew that I wanted to be in the industry in some way. I never said, oh, I want to be on TV. I just said, I want to talk sports. I want to be around sports as much as I can. So got to Belmont my freshman year and obviously went to Belmont for basketball. And I'm so grateful that that journey brought me there. And I say now I kind of have a unique lens because I loved the game of basketball more than anything. Like it was right up there with the Lord, my family, my friends. It was like basketball. And so I'm so thankful that it brought me to Belmont because then my freshman year, it just opened so many doors for me. And I remember getting to Belmont and didn't even have to think about a major. I was like, okay, mass communications, a minor in sports media, um, and took a ton of classes with Rich Tyner, Greg Sage, and, and I'll never forget, I was in a class my freshman year, and Christian Sadler, who has just been a huge influence on me as well, he was helping me edit a project, 
And I looked at him and I was like, I don't know why I need to edit this. Like, I just, I just want to talk sports. Like, I just want to be on camera. I, I don't need to edit. And he was like, oh gosh, buckle up. And I'm glad I kind of had that come to Jesus meeting early on in and in getting into this industry my freshman year, because you got to edit, you got to write, you got to shoot, you have to be able to do everything to be successful in this industry. And so I'm really glad that I realized that early on. Um, but I always had a passion for, for this job and always knew that if I couldn't play basketball at the next level, I still wanted to be involved in some capacity. And so luckily, luckily Belmont opened a lot of doors to allow me to do that. That's interesting you say all that because it's so true. And even when you get to the place where you don't have to necessarily shoot your sh your shot or edit it when you come back to the station, it's so valuable to understand that process of what it's like to have a camera on your shoulder or what it's like to have to take a thousand different shots and piece it together as you try to tell the story. And I think it's it's so important to have that foundation. And you talk about the people there at Belmont. Those are pretty good people to learn from. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, people ask me all the time, oh, did you go to Belmont for uh, media? Like, did and I'm like, you know, I chose Belmont because of basketball, just being completely honest. They they say now don't do that because you, you never know. But I chose it because I loved the team. I loved the coaching staff that recruited me. And it just so happened that I got so lucky that there were professors and people there that walked the walk that they were talking to us. You know, so many of my professors were in the media landscape before they decided to teach or they still were even when they were teaching at Belmont. So I was so thankful for that because I felt like I was just getting that hands-on experience at such a young age. And one thing that I really appreciated was Belmont has a lot of opportunities where like I sidelined for the OVC digital network and I was an analyst my senior year for that. And I was immediately thrown into live TV. Mm -hmm. and, and you know how it is, Steve. Live TV is totally different than anything recorded or you just have to go with it. And so from day one, I was on live TV. The first time I ever did a hit on camera, it was live. And I was terrible. I was so bad, but I was so thankful for that opportunity because now I crave live TV. I loved live TV and that was one reason why I got hired in my job now was everything's pretty much live. And they liked that I had so much, so much live experience. And so I, you know, I, going back to the original um, conversation, just with everything at Belmont, I don't think at the time I could appreciate the experience I was getting, but looking back now, it's the number one piece of advice that I give people is immediately try live reps and make sure you know how to write, edit, shoot, everything. Because like you said, now I'm at a place where I don't touch a camera, I don't edit. And I still kind of feel guilty about that. Like, I'm still like, wait, do you need my help carrying all this camera equipment right. and setting all this up? And do you want my vision for how I want to edit this? And they're like, just please stop. Just, that is not your job. You are fine. And, but I think, you know, I did that for two and a half years in, in Knoxville at my last job. So I, I had that appreciation and it was funny. I actually just did a feature for one of the shows that I host Rangers Insider. And I just wrote the feature. 
I got all the interviews and then I had a team of people that produced it, that edited it. And I was telling my husband, we were watching it last night. And I was like, it is so nice to see my vision for this feature come to life and know that I wasn't the one that had to sit on my computer for 20 hours in one week and edit this. You know, I think just having a team around you It's just making it so much. And you know that where you're at now, you're in a high market where you have a team around you as well. But in Knoxville, I was a one man band. So it's just nice being able to have the appreciation and respect for the editors and for our photogs, but then also being like, okay, I can just focus on my job at hand and that's to deliver, deliver the content to the best of my ability. Well, it's so cool where you are now because you are super talented and so good at what you do. And to see you there is great. And it's a great representation of Belmont and frankly, our business. But I find your path kind of interesting because you started in Knoxville, which is a bigger market than most people are out of college and where they start. But also it's it's home for you. That's where you grew up. You were like, I don't know if you had the pom-poms or what growing up, but you were you were a fan of the Vols and the Lady Vols. What was it like to go home and have your first real job on TV in your hometown. It is something I will never, ever take for granted. And even more to that backstory. So I graduate college and I I didn't know what route I wanted to do. You know, it's kind of like you graduate college and you go into local news. You move to the top 150 markets somewhere, Macon, Georgia, wherever, And you grind it out and then you try and climb the ladder. And I just, I felt, you know, I think I was spoiled because I was in Nashville and I was like, I don't, I just don't want to do that. Like, I don't know what route I want to go, but I I just don't know if I want to do that. So I got into sports talk radio, which I really appreciated. They're in Nashville at 104.5 The Zone. But then I was like, you know, I need, if I want to be full-time on TV, I need a full-time TV job. So it's kind of like, all right, embrace this. Like you're going the local news route. And there's so many horror stories around local news, but it's truly the best thing that ever happened to my career. And I say horror stories just because it's an absolute grind. You know this, it is a grind, but it is so important. And my biggest piece of advice to when I talk to people now, it's like, you got to go that route because you don't have to, but it is great experience. So right before the pandemic hit in February of 2020, I get a job with my hometown TV station, the number one station in Knoxville. And I was fired up. The people on air there are, are the ones that I grew up watching. Chris Button, Courtney Lyle, they were sports reporters. They are now on ESPN. So I knew if I went there and I just worked hard that maybe I could make it in this industry. Well, then the pandemic hits. So I start my job the week after sports shut down across across the nation, across the world. And I'm sure my news director was thinking, oh gosh, what did we just do? We just hired a sports reporter and there's no sports. So I start end of March in my parents' bonus room making sports casts, four sports casts a day when sports weren't even really going on because I had just moved from Nashville and wanted to move back in with my parents until I could get my feet under me. And I will never forget being like, what in the world have I done? But I am so thankful that I got that job when I did, because I don't know if I would be in the industry now. 
And we, so I started March of 2020. I did not step foot in the studio to anchor a sports cast until June of 2021, 14 wow. months later. We were like shut down. Only our main anchors were in studio and I totally understood it, but I was setting up my camera. I was writing a sports cast. I was recording myself. I was editing it all. I was putting supers in, lower thirds, graphics, with not even a month ago knowing what how to even work anything on on my laptop with with Edius and editing. And so it was uh, it was a huge learning experience, very very fast. And my sports director at the time, um, he was just incredible and really helped me a lot. But it was the times where I I didn't know what I was doing, so I would start working on a sports cast at nine o'clock or nine a.m. That wouldn't even air until six o'clock. But I needed that much time to figure out what I was going to do. And it was also the time in the world where news was changing hourly, not daily, hourly. So the NCAA would come out with like a new revision to some COVID rule that they had. And I would have to scratch my entire sports cast 30 minutes before it was supposed to air. And I would have to get it on TV. So during that, during that 14 months of my life, we had a motto, it was make air, not art, because I was not going to miss my slot. I was going to make sure I made air. But I just remember sitting in my parents' bonus room for hours and hours every single day, just trying to make TV. And then my two minutes would come on and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this was great. Like I made it. But I spent 10 hours trying to prepare for that one sports cast. And I'll never forget just, you know, just not knowing how everything worked and sitting up there and yelling down at everyone downstairs. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, was also there because Major League Baseball was shut down as well. And I'd yell at him, like, be quiet. I'm trying to record my sports cast, like thinking that their voices would pick up on the microphone, just not knowing. But I'm so thankful for all of that because now I treat everything like, okay, one take, let's do this. Let's let's move on. Cause I was basically just recording standups for the first 14 months of my job. So it was very humbling. Um, but it was, it was a hundred percent worth it. I tell you what, that was a trying time for everybody. I was 15 years into my career at that point, but you still had people like even my college instructors were posting things on Facebook. Like if you're a news director, what do you do with your sports people now that they're totally <laughs> worthless? And it's like, yeah. oh, gee, thanks. Worthless over here, you know? Yeah. And I took it upon myself to say, no, we we provide a value here. We have a sponsored show. Who knows when advertising dollars are going to dry up for TV. We're going to make sure we do good content, whatever that is, for however long this goes. And we're going to be there nightly. And we're going to provide the not awful COVID news of the night. And we're going to be the the light in the darkness, if you will. And I take some of the most pride of my entire career of that moment of continuing sports at News Channel 5 and doing what we needed to do to get on the air. It wasn't always art, as you talk about, but it was some every single day to provide value there. But I can't imagine it being two weeks into my career yeah. or a month into my career and trying to prove that value at that point. It was tough. Absolutely. But, you know, you bring up a good point. I was watching you all. I was watching other stations across the nation. And how are they covering sports today? What are they doing to, like you said, bring just a little glimpse of hope? 
when there was so much uncertainty and live live sports weren't happening, there was still storytelling to be done. And there were still situations that we could talk to and, and just provide some news and, and just a little bit of life. But then once all of that cleared, and I'll never forget the first time I was standing on Tennessee's football field at Neyland Stadium as a reporter on the field and not in the stands with my dad watching it like I had done for the first 22 years of my life, I had goosebumps. And I was like, okay, everything was worth it. These months of recording sportscasts in my parents' bonus room, not knowing what tomorrow was going to hold, the stress of like, how am I going to, how am I going to make air today? It was all worth it. The second I stepped foot at Neyland stadium and I was right there when they ran through the tee. And then when we got into baseball season and basketball season and all the like Tennessee's teams were doing so good in my first year, I got to cover a college world series and, and cover an NCAA tournament and, and everything that I was able to do in Knoxville for my hometown teams and I will say there was an adjustment at first, like my blood is orange. It just is. And I can fully say that now that I have left Knoxville and I am not covering college athletics right now. Like my blood is Tennessee orange, not Texas orange. Cause I get that a lot now living in Texas, but I, I kind of had to remove the fan side of me and see, not just see it as like, Oh yeah, I'm a Tennessee fan. I don't really want to report on this news. Cause that might not look to make look. Tennessee looked great. Well, I had to kind of, you know, work through work through that, but it was a hundred percent worth it. Everything that we went through in a pandemic, starting a job in 2020, just to be able to watch your favorite teams, your childhood teams win on such a big stage, it just like gives me goosebumps. Among those pinch yourself moments, where do you put the 2022 NCA tournament <laughs> second round game where your school? is taking on the team you rooted for your entire life in Tennessee. Oh, it was just, you know, a casual moment of my sure. career. No, it was absolutely surreal. I'll never forget sitting in the press conference with Bart Brooks and asking him a question and him just being like, Blev, isn't this so weird? And I never even played for, for Coach Brooks, but we, from the day he got hired, I reached out to him, we stayed in touch. And, and I think that that's what makes Belmont women's basketball so special is we are a community that lasts a lifetime is as cliche and corny as that sounds. It's true. So then when I'm covering the lady Vols and I am immersed on their beat, you know, I, I have so much respect for Kelly Harper and, and what her and her staff is doing at Tennessee and how they've kind of just flipped the script there with the program to see that, okay, they might play Belmont. Like if, if both of these teams win, they, they're going to play Belmont. And it was surreal. I'll never forget where I was sitting. Belmont got down. And then it was like, oh, wait, they're coming back. Wait, they have a legitimate shot to knock off Tennessee. And I just remember thinking, what are the odds of this? The program that I played for that I gave my blood, sweat and tears to is now playing the Lady Vols, who it was hard because selfishly for my career, I wanted to move on with the Lady Vols because I was following them for as, as far as they got with work um, and went on to Wichita. But also I was like, no, like Belmont's my ride or die. Like I want to see the Lady Bruins knock off Tennessee and, and get this. 
So it was just unbelievable watching the girls have so much success there in Knoxville and, and just doing almost the unthinkable. And I think it put Belmont once again on a national stage. There's been so much hype for years around the men's team and, and rightfully so. And what Coach Bird has done for, for Belmont men's basketball and, and now what they're doing there as well. But to see the women's game, the women's side be put on a national stage and, and turn on Sports Center and see them talking about Belmont. I'm like, come on, this is awesome. And so it, it was really special. And just to see everyone there, Greg Sage was there, Christian Sadler, just it was very heartwarming. And I remember thinking, this is why I do this. This is full circle. Because if it wasn't for Belmont, I would not be in this situation covering an NCAA tournament in Knoxville in my hometown. It was just such a full circle moment. And I think that's how our industry works. I think that's how sports works. It's just, you, you never know where your paths are going to cross again. And I was so thankful to be able to cover that game. We had Bart on the podcast recently, and I tell you what, he's just the absolute best. And it's been so fun to watch him and the, the ladies elevate the program with back-to-back -back NCAA tournament wins, of course, winning the Missouri Valley Conference this year in their first year in the league. But don't sell yourself short there because you were a part of the beginning of all this, Madison. I mean, you, you were there for the start of the OVC championship run. You had the opportunity to be in the NCAA tournament. What were those experiences like for you? And how proud are you now when you see it all in totality of what Belmont women's basketball has become? Oh, I'm so proud. I, I think from every level, just seeing what they're doing on the court and then seeing what these women are doing off the court too and, and what they've gone on to do. We all stay in touch. We're all still really close. And so it's been fun to just see how we have progressed from basketball players to whatever we're doing in, in our careers now. It was really cool, though, winning our first OVC championship because that was my junior year. And we had all, you know, been through a lot together and really relied on each other and relied on the game of basketball to just push through some things. And it was very satisfying once we won that first championship. And it was like, okay, this is what we worked so hard to do. And then making the NCAA tournament. And I tell people this all the time when they ask me when I covered the NCAA tournament, oh, you played in it. What was it like? It's unlike any experience I've had. They, they roll out the red carpet for you once you hit the NCAA tournament because you are the few that have made it there. And especially when you're a mid-major school and have to win your conference tournament to get that automatic bid, usually it's it's really satisfying and so my junior year we played I played an NCAA tournament and then my senior year I got to call it when the girls played at Kentucky and I was sitting next to Rich Tyner calling it as an analyst and that was really cool too just kind of being in and different positions and calling my first NCAA tournament and having played in it the year before and that was really special and I remember just I think it was really my sophomore year realizing, all right, we've we've got a great team and the groundwork here is great. And this is a program that's going to be successful for a really long time. But the reason it is a successful program and you guys know, you know, this, Steve, it's because they recruit the right people. 
And if they don't recruit the mold and the foundation that we laid so many years ago, it's not going to continue to be successful. And so that's where I give the coaching staff so much credit because they do, they recruit the right people. Belmont has a high standard that you have to live up to. And I think that that's what makes the program so unique. And like I said, those girls are my ride or dies, my best friends to this day, because we went through so much together, but we were also there at the highest moments and the lowest moments, winning a championship to waking up at 4am and going to two a days to start preseason and, and just being like, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? Why am I waking up at 3.30 every day? But it all was worth it when you win a championship and then when you play in an NCAA tournament. It's like what you work your entire basketball career for. You don't have to step on the Belmont campus very long to understand all the selling points from the academics to the construction and the state of the art buildings to the athletic success. But you said earlier on in this podcast that for you, your decision was about the basketball. You were going to Belmont to play basketball. Take me through the recruiting process all the way through your career, really, and then how it stacked up to what you hoped. Because correct me if I'm wrong, you really had a relationship with three different coaches from the beginning of recruitment to to now where you are with Bart at the end of it all. Yeah. So they tell you never choose a school for the coach because you never know if the coach is going to be there. (laughs) So it's... uh... Yes, absolutely. I, but the way I got to Belmont was such like just a God wink is what I call it because growing up in Knoxville, I had heard about Belmont, but I didn't think it was for me. My brother really wanted to go to Belmont because he was in the music industry. His uh, girlfriend, now wife was there doing music. And I was like, it's a music school. Like, why would I want to go to Belmont? Last second, get an invitation to their elite camp. I say last second. It was uh, summer going in, or it was, yeah, it was summer going into my senior year. So it was being recruited by other OVC schools, had some offers from other uh, mid-major Division I schools, but was like, okay, let's, I almost didn't go to the camp. And it was because I had one weekend off in between AAU basketball. And I was like, I just want to have have like a normal weekend this summer, like just one normal weekend. And I remember my dad being like, just go to the camp. I really think that you should go to Belmont's camp and just see what it's about. I get there and I left saying I would kill to go to Belmont. I really, really want to go to Belmont. So just created a relationship with the head coach at the time, Brittany Ezel, and and we stayed in touch. And at the point, like I was kind of laid on their radar and they had already um, extended offers and, and had met their quota in my class, but they luckily wanted me and I, I wanted to be there and they made it work. And I'll never forget going, um, it was October of my senior year, going to Belmont for a visit and then getting an offer. And my mom jumped like so high off the ground. My brother was already there at the time. So it just was like a full circle moment that it all worked out. And I was like, what if I did not go to that camp? I would have never like known how great Belmont was. So was recruited by one staff before I even made it to Belmont two weeks before I got to summer school, a new staff came in 
a new head coach, a couple of the assistants were still there. And to be completely honest, it was hard. It rocked my world because I was like, I have a relationship with this coach. We were super, super close. And now you're telling me I'm going to play for another coach that I don't even know. Like it was difficult. Like it would be for any athlete. But I knew I wanted to be at Belmont. I knew that the the relationships that I had already made with the team there, that the girls that were older than me, I knew I wanted to be there. I knew I wanted to play for Belmont. Like you said, you step on campus and it just feels different. I did not have that feeling at any other school that I went to. So I, you know, have to give myself a little bit credit of some maturity at the time, looking at the big picture and saying like, yes, I'm going here to play basketball, but what can I get out of Belmont while I'm there? Am I going to make a career? Am I going to enjoy living in Nashville? You know, so I really had to think about the big picture. And so I never even thought for one second about transferring. It was, it was Belmont. I am staying there for four years. That is what I'm doing. So I had the same coach for four years. And then when he left, Coach Brooks came in right before we graduated. And so I, you know, like I said, I had reached out to him and just wanted to be involved. I, you know, I stayed in Nashville for a couple of years after I graduated and I wanted to be around the program. I wanted to be involved because it is so special and it, it still is, even though I've been gone six years now, which is wild. Um, so that was, that was a unique situation for me. And it was definitely hard at times, not playing for the coach that recruited you, but you know, you make the best of it. And it was without a doubt, the best decision I could have ever made. But that's why I tell people now, you know, you got to choose the school. You got to, you got to look at the big picture because basketball is going to end. And for me, it ended sooner than I wanted it to end. I took a medical hardship my senior year and, Luckily, I was able to work in the athletic department and I was an analyst for the women's games and a sideline reporter. And that's how I stayed involved with the team. So, so thankful for that opportunity. But one day it's going to end like you're going to hang up your shoes, your cleats, whatever it may be. So you have to be able to look at the full picture. And for me, I am so thankful that I chose to stay at Belmont and didn't even consider leaving because I don't I don't know what I would be doing today if. I chose to leave Nashville and Belmont. So I'm thankful for that. I'm glad you brought up the premature end to your career because boy, did you turn lemonade or, or lemons into lemonade in that situation. That's always tough. No one wants to have their career ever end. And when it comes with an injury, it, it's certainly sad to have to go through that. But we, we had your friend Paris Lawson on the podcast a few months ago and talk about somebody who had more than their share of injuries Yep. but made the most of it and turned it into a great opportunity. She's with the Oklahoma City Thunder now. And there's a really cool moment this spring because on social media, I'm looking there and there you are, Madison. It's you and Paris, two former teammates, of Belmont basketball on the sidelines of an NBA game. Mm-hmm. What was that moment like? I mean, what are the odds of that, right? I made my... NBA sideline debut in Oklahoma City and Paris is across the court from me. My college team I played two years with and just means so much to me. I was like, what you talk about full circle. You talk about this world being small and God having humor. Like that was really cool for me. I um 
I got brought in to Valley Sports Southwest to be a host and an analyst with like hopes of eventually being on the sidelines in some capacity. So I get a call from my my boss, our executive producer saying, Hey, I think I want to send you down to Oklahoma city to fill in for Jen Hale. She's doing super bowl. Uh, how would you feel about that? And I'm like, uh, sign me up. Like, let's go. Absolutely. So even cooler that it was going against a team that one of my old teammates is on the court is on the side is on the sidelines for and we did a really cool feature um that day just talking about how full circle it was as we were teammates at Belmont now we're teammates for Valley Sports Southwest because they're under our umbrella and just being able to share that moment with Paris I she is just absolutely crushing it and is such a hard worker and deserves everything that she has gotten in this in this industry but it was it was really cool and it was such a full full circle moment and then she came to Dallas in March we did like a women's um day ceremony thing where they honored us which was really cool and and we talked about that even more and we talked about how we have a unique perspective covering this game now because we were sidelined a lot of our college career and I will say you really learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about the game of basketball when it's taken from you because you're watching from the sidelines. So you see it from a different perspective. It's unbiased and you're really able to learn more of the X's and O's and, and just kind of study it from every position. And I really think that that has been a huge reason we've had success in the NBA her as a sideline reporter. She also does analyst work. She also hosts. And then for me, I'm an analyst and a reporter and a host. And I'm sitting at the analyst table with guys who all played in the NBA. And I'm the only person that did not play in the NBA that is an analyst for us outside of Nancy Lieberman, who is just the go of women's basketball. So I think, you know, that that has been so cool. And it, it just goes back to all that I learned during my injuries at Belmont. I was able to fuel that into a career as an analyst and be able to kind of look at it from different angles. And I know Paris says the same things about her knee surgeries, just how much you learn and, and how you're able to just kind of humanize yourself with these athletes as well, because they're going through injuries or, you know, you just instantly have a little bit more respect from them when you say, you know, I played, I played at the college level and, and kind of hear my credentials and, and they welcome you a little bit more. All right. Before we get to our, our speed round, the final three questions I ask everybody, I got to know because Hutton and Withrow tell me from your internship days, there was one Oh four five that you're the most tenacious competitive <laughs> driven intern they ever had so now that you can't play anymore I mean what's it like at, at home with Colton I mean are you guys is it like ping pong or pool or or how do you get that competitiveness out these days oh my gosh well I loved my internship with those guys when they were at 104.5 they were the best but we competitive I, I don't even know if that's the word to like describe yes I am so competitive and I will say I'm glad he didn't break up with me because we played in a rec league in Nashville like right when we first started dating and he still makes fun of me to this day but I would yell at him I'd be like post up why are like why are you shooting threes like your shot is terrible post up and I mean he's 235 pounds I'm like get inside and rebound and he's like okay 
you are crazy. We are never playing basketball together again. <laughs> so I'm very thankful that he uh, chose to marry me and not break up with me after seeing how competitive I am. But absolutely, when I when I am passionate about something or or I have a goal in my head, like I am knocking down walls to to get that. And um, I've I've kind of had to balance myself out a little bit because early on in my career, you know, you get you get more no's than you get yes in this industry. So I you can't take it personal. Um, so I kind of had to take that competitor hat off and just re rethink, re reangle my thinking. Um, but at home, you know, it's it's fun because I'm covering baseball right now, covering the Rangers, and they're great this season, and that's been so much fun. But Colton has been able to teach me so much about baseball that I don't even know if I would learn it on my own and, you know, basketball, it's like, it's second language for me. It's, I can talk the talk. It can walk the walk. Baseball is so much more analytical than basketball. And I'll watch a game, you know, we're watching the NCAA super regionals. Now he went to Stanford, Stanford's in it, Tennessee's in it. We're hoping they both make the college world series. Um, so fingers crossed, but we're watching Stanford last night and he can just he can tell me what pitch the pitcher is going to throw before he even starts his pitch. And I'm like, how do you know that? And he's like, cause I've done it 4,000 times. Like he is teaching me so much about pitching and just what to look for just with the numbers of baseball, which has helped me as a host and a reporter covering the Rangers and, and his teammates too helped me a lot. Just Saturday. I was like, all right, explain to me, what when you're throwing this pitch why you're throwing this pitch like there's just so much that goes into baseball so sometimes I think Colton's like okay we don't can we not watch baseball tonight or can we not watch sports tonight like he's like let's just find a movie a mindless movie or something but I'm the one that's like no no no. like baseball's on let's watch it I need you to teach me and he's like oh my gosh you're crazy Well, Madison, you know, if you're the president of the Colton Hawk fan club, I want to be vice president. Yeah. I've always tried to follow him and uh, so happy for you guys and, and your marriage and, and success, both professionally as well. But I got three final questions for you. We ask everybody that comes on the podcast because I believe it gives a full picture of the person, regardless of the walk of life they're necessarily in. You said you wanted to be a sports reporter or in sports from very early on as a child. But if that wasn't your path, if, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what do you think you'd be doing? Uh, very interesting. Something totally out of sports. I always said, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not a sports reporter, I would want to work in special education, like totally different than sports. But go, um, my freshman year of high school, I started taking like peer tutoring classes and that just like pulled on my heartstrings. And it's something that I am wanting to do more of now that I have a little bit more free time this summer, like diving a little bit more into that, just in the Best Buddies program in Texas and things like that. So I always just said, you know, there's so much that we can learn from from these kids that at, at in high school, they were kids. Now it's of all ages that I'm around. But you know, it's just really humbling and tells you never to take a day for granted. And that's something that Colton and I have been talking a lot now with his injury. He's never been injured before and it's perspective. Um, his arm is not working great right now, but he's healthy. 
and were very blessed in that sense. So I always said that, you know, I would want to work in special education. And then as I've gotten older, I'm really into health and fitness. So I think it would be, you know, if I wasn't a sports reporter, I think it would be so cool to be like a nutritionist for a team and, and work with athletes on their diet and their meal plans and things like that. But I think in some capacity, I would still have to be involved in sports in some way. I just love it too much. Well, you're too competitive not to, so that only <laughs> exactly. makes sense. What inspires you? Uh, you know, so it, it's that's a great question. What inspires me, and this sounds so cliche, but I've I've been really thinking about this a lot in the last year, is the journey. And Col- Colton inspires me every single day because he is – Like I said, he's dealing with an injury, but he wakes up every day wanting to get better. Like he is unwavering in how he is handling this injury. And that is so inspiring to me. And so I've really been thinking like, okay, life is not about the success that we, we achieve the dopamine you get from landing your dream job or whatever success it may be that only lasts for like a split second, then it's on to the next thing that you want to achieve. So it's the grind of, and maybe that's a competitor in me, but it's the grind of climbing that mountain that inspires me. Like it's, it's so, I I love a hard workout because I know at the end of it, I'm just going to be defeated. And I'm going to know that I accomplished something today. Like I love pushing my body to the max in a workout. And that's probably the basketball side of me as well. But truly, I believe the, the in-between moments, Colton and I call it our wilderness days. In those days is when you really learn a lot about yourself. And for me, like as I said in the beginning, working through a pandemic, being on TV, failing over and over and everyone watching you fail, that led me to now living like my absolute dream job. And I'm so thankful for that. And I wouldn't appreciate that if I didn't have that that journey in between. So it sounds cliche, but that's what I try and remember and remind myself every single day. Like if I'm feeling defeated or if I'm feeling down, it's like, take a deep breath because the journey is the reward, not the destination. That's great perspective. I had a coach once tell me that he was coaching a great team, number one team in the country at the moment. And he said, you've got to enjoy the journey because this will end at some point. And even if it ends in a championship, the next day, you don't get to be with these people ever again in this capacity. So you've got to enjoy the moments leading up to it. And the thing that does is it makes the successes more sweet when you get there as well, when you enjoy all the little hurdles and triumphs along the way to get there. So that kind of leads into the last question, Madison. When you get that moment, when you want to just sit back and relax or maybe celebrate a bit, I don't know, maybe you cover your first NBA finals and it's all over and you just want to enjoy it with Colton, or maybe it's when he gets done with rehab at the end of the (laughs) summer and he can pitch again. Maybe it's that moment as a couple. When you get that moment, how do you get away from it all and just enjoy it? Is it, is it, you know, a, a Netflix special? Is it a great dinner out on the town? Is it, is it a weekend getaway? How do you enjoy it? Yeah, it's, you know, have you asked me this a year ago? I would say, I don't really know. I haven't figured that out yet. Um, I felt like I was so emerged in everything. Like everything was really higher. Everything was really low. 
And now totally opposite. Like if I, if I just had an epic day at work and I'm like, I really crushed that show. Like I got so much better in this show compared to last time I come home. And the last thing I do is turn on anything sport related. I'm like turning on selling sunset or the most like basic Netflix TV show, because I just want to turn my brain into like vegetable mode. Like, I don't want to think about sports for like 30 minutes. Can I do that? But I will say that's like probably me talking a lot of talk because the second I do get home, I immediately watch every single show and like critique myself. And then I'm like, okay, then I'll binge Netflix. So I'm still kind of learning how to fully just like step away. But Colton and I have, we're trying to start a day where we're just like not even on social media. We're just like fully present. And even if we're not together, we're fully present in what we're doing. No social media, only text and call back people. If you absolutely have to like read your Bible, read your books, whatever you want to do, just be like emerged in something outside of baseball outside of basketball. And I think if we, you know, I think if we continue to try and do that, we're gonna, we're gonna be able to stay in this industry and these career paths for a long time. But you know, you know it, you gotta, you gotta have an escape route and you have to be able to turn your brain off a little bit. It's easier said than done. But yeah, for me, it's, it's just bingy, cringy Netflix TV shows. <laughs> I, I love it. There's a little bit of balance in there and then it's right back to the competitive yeah. drop. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be better than everybody else. So, right. well, Madison, I, I feel like we could talk all afternoon about various things, Colton's career, your career, your time at Belmont, but I really appreciate the time. So many people back here in Nashville at Belmont and beyond are really proud of your success. So congratulations, wish Colton well for us, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much.